Oh, yeah. Mics on. Check. Filters off. Always. Let's rock, guys. Welcome into Season 2, Episode 2 of the Unfiltered Fantasy Football Podcast. Once again, Chris Smith has the poor judgment of joining me on this podcast. We're hoping that he can bring a little class and refinement to this because Lord knows I don't have any. Chris, what's up, man? Oh, man. If I was supposed to be, I thought you were the class and refinement and I was the raw, unfiltered animal. Uh, if, if I'm class and refinement, we, need, we, we should probably change the rating on this podcast. Uh NSFW, not for kids. <laughs> well, at least we're not as bad as our vice president. We can both agree on that. Yep, if you're listening, we'd like for you to bring your unfiltered rear end on this podcast. Oh, yeah. uh, that way we can really change the rating. Yeah. Come and on, if you're not listening, shame on you, Come on, Justin. audience. Put the pressure shame on, on Justin Palashik. Get him on here with us. That's right. Anyone who's listened to this, at Palashik609 is his Twitter. At him, get him on this pod. Sometime next week, he needs to be on. Let's do it. Oh, yeah. Pressure him, Twitter. Pressure him. All right. Chris, you know me. We had a bit of a special guest, and I came in just sputtering out like I hit a banana in Mario Kart and fell off a bridge last time. It was bad. <laughs> it was bad. So we're going to come in. We're going to get our minds a little pumping. We're going to have some icebreaker games, hoping to make the audience laugh, think, engage. Log off, run, any of them. <laughs> Please don't run. We need you guys to listen to this and enjoy it. Anyways, this is how I feed my family. <laughs> anyways, so Chris, would you rather every shirt you have be extremely itchy, or would you rather only be able to use one ply toilet paper? Oh, itchy shirts, itchy shirts. <laughs> I'm, oh I think we all know the logic behind not picking the toilet paper. I don't think I need to go down that dark uh, potty humor, but uh, <laughs> definitely NSFW I, children run. But uh, yeah, definitely the itchy shirt. I, I think we're in complete agreement here. I can eventually ignore it, or just get used to it, or embrace having my nipples rubbed completely raw. But what I cannot embrace is finally understanding the meaning when Johnny Cash said, I fell into a burning ring of fire. That is one ring of fire we do not want, guys. That is a no-no. And it burns, burns, burns. Did you mix up your preparation, H, and you're Ben Gay again? Come on, Johnny. Boy, this, uh, <laughs> this started, off, started off pretty fun. <laughs> uh, we came out guns blazing. All right. All right. Would you, uh, well, you got some more would you rathers or would you like to uh, get on into it and actually give the people what they came here for? You know what? I'm going to just do the football ones because I feel like yours kind of hit our non-football would you rathers. So we'll stick to our more form and more informative ones. I may throw in my one or two little ones, but I think we're going to stick to mainly football from here on out. That is a halfway done, fingers crossed. Boy Scouts honor, even though I wasn't in the Scouts. We'll see what actually happens here, guys. All right. Would you rather have Carson Wentz or Matthew Stafford as the QB1 on your fantasy team this year? Ooh. Matthew Stafford actually does not have a very long track record of finishing as a QB1. 
Carson Wentz, as bad as he was last year, and you can say the same for it in 2019, even though it wasn't his fault really necessarily either years he was still to blame. He still was able to produce QB2 numbers. He was a little more offers a bit more mobility. And now that he's in Indy with Jonathan Taylor making it where they can't stack boxes and you have guys like Michael Pittman, Paris Campbell, you have a gigantic mammoth of a man tight end, Mo Alley Cox that he can throw to and sort of replicate the Zach Ertz connection. Ooh, and then you got Matthew Stafford with McVay, he could have a whole much more upside. I think I'd take Matthew Stafford. I built all that up just to kind of pivot, but I think I'd take Matthew <laughs> Stafford. Safer floor, and he could have throw a lot. He could throw 40 touchdowns this year. You can't really likely say the same for Carson Wentz. Man, I was really divided on this coming, coming into the segment. I feel like they both have durability concerns. I feel like there's both some question marks there, both guys going mm-hmm. to new teams. Uh with Stafford, man, I I mean, he has all the talent. You see it on tape. But when he goes into a culture that's actually produced a winner, what's going to happen? Um, you know, I and Carson Wentz, man. And Indy with that, off, with that offensive line they have there, he's finally going to have blockers. Did you know that when he went out last year and he was benched, he was a QB1 at the time? I did, and it was truly spectacular. Yeah, that's why I'm going to go as poorly as he was playing. He was still a QB1. I feel like I've got to go Carson Wentz here. Uh, I feel like in real life, Matthew Stafford's going to have the better season. But seeing how poorly Carson Wentz played and still to still produce at that level in fantasy, throwing to guys like Fulgham and a rookie Jalen Rager. I mean, he's and now he's going to the Colts. I just... With that offensive line and the, and the weapons he's going to have there, we'll see. We'll see what happens at wide receiver. But I really like what they're doing with Pittman. Uh, T.Y. Hilton's hopefully going to stay around. Uh, your boy Paris Campbell's probably going to benefit some from from uh, the new QB. Um, and then we all know Jonathan Taylor is there. Oh, uh, we'll get more into that here and here shortly. Boy. But uh, I'm definitely going the other way. Okay, a couple more football ones because I feel like I went a little bit long there. Uh, would you rather go into the season with Ezekiel Elliott or Saquon Barkley as your RB1? You're going for my heart here, man. You know how much I love my boy Zeke, but I have to go Saquon. I mean, even though Zeke was, what, RB3 before Dak got hurt, his overall just efficiency numbers were dropping. And I think that it's just more indicative the that all the wear and tear he's had being the horse at Ohio State being a horse in high school, it's all just catching up to him now. He's taking a lot of punishment. He does not shy away from contact. And Saquon, for as much as he seems to just struggle running between the tackles and reading his blocks from time to time, he still has that crazy insane burst, at least we assume he does, and he can take any touch to the house. He's that threat. I don't know. They... Yeah, I think I'm going to stick with Saquon and his receiving ability, kind of pushing it over the top. All right, uh, I'm gonna. This is going to be real simple for me. If I were picking for one week, you know, same talent, same everything around him, I'm going to go Saquon because he's more explosive at this point in their career. Uh, but if you're asking me for a full season or longer, 
Uh, you've got I've really got to consider the talent around him, and I've also got to consider the fact that one guy has been pretty reliable to finish the season, and the other guy just has not been. I think I'm not sure either of them are going to play up to being a high level RB one. You're probably looking at two back end RB one guys at this point. Uh, they're going to burn me for that Saquon part of that on Twitter. I know it, but uh, Chris Smith, let's, USN, let's, everybody. Let's uh. Let's watch him finish the season first. I think he's gonna be. I think he's gonna be fantastic when he's on the field. I can't trust him to. I can't trust him to stay there. So I'm going Zeke. Last one, and then we are going to. We're gonna jump forward to the next section. Um, would you rather? This is gonna be an NFL draft one. Would you rather have Mac Jones go to a team with really poor weapons, or would you rather have Trey Lance get picked to a team that requires him to play week one? I'd much rather have Trey Lance be required to play week one. He's still much more polished as a passer than Cam Newton. Cam Newton had his one year of flashy experience. He came in and Cam Newton came out guns blazing. His first game, what he threw for over 400 yards, if I recall right, that was a long time ago. And you got Trey Lance, who's, I'd, I'm going to get roasted for this one on Twitter, but he's so much more talented than Cam Newton was coming out. And I can already feel people coming in. Oh, oh yeah. I think the sky is the limit for Trey Lance as far as talent goes. And say he flops right out the gate. Fine. He's going to learn as long as the coaches are willing to work with him. Whereas Mac Jones on a team with no weapons, you might as well be wiping your rear end with one ply toilet paper. I mean, it's about the same thing. We've never seen Mac Jones not play on a loaded offense. And you've been scouting him. He's a good quarterback. He can definitely carry, well, he don't care about carry a franchise, but he can keep a franchise afloat, service them. But can he actually carry the team with no weapons? For our listeners, Matt just gave me the eyebrow up of like that, that gotcha eyebrow. And I'm not going to lie, he does have me here because I'm going the exact same direction. You're really, you're really looking at a situation that's both a recipe for, for a dumpster fire. Um, but if Trey Lance is just completely unready to be a passer week one, he also ran for 1,100 yards his only season starting in college. So like I said a few years ago when I was scouting Lamar Jackson, I would compared him to Josh Allen. And I said they're both terribly inaccurate, but I think Lamar's running ability is going to give him much more open windows because you're always going to have guys with one eye on him in the pocket. So I feel like we're going to see the same thing with Trey Lance. He's not quite the runner Lamar was, but again, 1,100 yards in college is uh, absolutely nothing to, uh, to, to shake a stick at. So, And, and then as far as Mac Jones goes, kind of guy, I, I just feel like – if you put him on a team like let's just pick one, uh, New England, a team with absolutely no weapons, you know I keep seeing him mock there. Unless they get some weapons there, that's a terrible idea. If you, if you want him to play early, like he ha- he does he already does most of the mental things right, so I don't see much of a ceiling there. And but he's physically not going to overcome, you know, bad players around him. So we're we're on the same page there. He reminds me of Jared Goff, his first year with the Rams with Jeff Fisher. That would be about the same situation. Yep, early career Alex Smith in the 49ers, except Alex Smith could run. Mm-hmm. Mac is fat and likes to smoke cigars. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, but you were serious about me having to bring the class this week. Oh, yeah. 
Oh man, we were in trouble. We should have talked about that beforehand. <laughs> the filters All are right. off. <laughs> that ra- that wraps up my would you rather. I would say the ice is sufficiently broken. Uh, it melted. <laughs> Whew. All right. So, would you like to move on to our next segment? We're gonna we're talking about buy low free agents. And when in order, well, out of the interest of time. We picked just three people that we're going to talk about and just present cases for them. Chris, since I've been doing most of the talking and been, well, about as undignified as it comes, I'm going to let you go first. I'm going to be a gentleman for a change. All right. So what if I told you there was a 24-year-old running back with with over a 1,000 yard season on his resume already, another really good season. He's coming off of an injury, but he's that young. He has all those yards already, and he's going to be a free agent this year. And right now, he's probably a free agent in your fantasy league. What would you do if I told you that guy was out there? You, What would you do? I would drop an EMP on everybody else's signal so that I could go in and scoop him up with, scoop him up without interference. Well, that's really happening right now in a lot of leagues. Marlon Mack, because of the emergence of Jonathan Taylor, it's just out there. So he's going to be available. And he's also available in your fantasy leagues. There's a chance he could end up as a committee back somewhere, but right now he's literally free. If you're not jumping on this, you're costing yourself money. Absolutely. Or fab. Absolutely. Uh, I read something actually, ironically, just yesterday about Marlon Mack where he was projected to go. You're going to get a real kick out of this. He's projected to join a committee with the New York Giants and Saquon Barkley. Sorry, I choked on my tea. Um, I mean, that would hurt me a little bit, uh, but I think that's really fun i think marlin does a lot of the things that uh saquon doesn't i think they'd make a knife committee uh he would definitely be the two but i think he'd be a better two behind saquon who has you know health issues than um behind jt as he was last was he would have been last year so i think i think this i think that's going to turn out great for them i uh, i think he could be a lead back somewhere um if miami is listening to this and you know you're looking for an upgrade you know, I'd much rather you go to the draft, but if not, Marlon Mack is there. Mm-hmm. Or Pittsburgh. Or Atlanta. Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh makes a lot of sense. Atlanta, too. You're, with Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, the, the new emerging Cal, Calvin Ridley. Let's say they go draft Kyle Pitts just to, just to say, screw it, let's go for 40 every week. <laughs> I'd be going after, well, no, I still don't trust Matt Ryan. I'd still let him fall in the drafts. Man, I, I would take Matt Ryan. I have a couple of dynasty leagues where I have Matt, Matt Ryan right now as my QB2 or my QB3. <laughs> He's going on the trade block. Oh, yeah. Immediately. Is this a super flex? Unfortunately not, but I could, I bet the day of when, when Marlon Mack joins that team or if Kyle Pitts joins that team, I'll get super flex price no, for Matt, Matt, Ryan. Matt Ryan. It's all about pitching the guys who are jumping way too high on value. I love him as a, like a QB two on a super flex team. Definitely. I mean, he's going to put up numbers, but man, put him on a team 40 burger roster. Um, my second one, Kenny Galladay, uh, injured a good chunk of the year last year. It's kind of it was really production wise was a crazy year for him. Just never seemed to get going when he was out there. 
but the previous two seasons, he was he finished as a wide receiver, what wide receiver eight two years ago, mm-hmm. and then the year before that, he was he started emerging. So you definitely saw a trend with Kenny Galladay where he was really breaking out. I think if you if he goes to a team that has someone who likes to throw deep. Oh, wait, he's on a team right now for a few more weeks that likes to throw deep. Hey, maybe they should re-sign him. He does a lot He does a lot of things really well. If the Lions are able to keep him, that's probably, at least in terms of just pure talent, the best wide receiver that Jared Goff has had. So we'll see what they do with it. But no matter where he goes, he's definitely going to be someone who will be in that wide receiver one, strong wide receiver two range. But the question is, are the Lions, who are obviously going for a nice long rebuild, going to keep him, or would they do something that's sort of like a tag and trade for him? Now, you know me. I love me some Kenny G just like the next guy. But I'm looking at his 2019, uh, just some of the metrics for it, because you can just take 2020, throw it, wad it up in a bag, put it in a McDonald's bag, and throw it out. Are you listening, University of Tennessee? Anyways, just... Kenny Galladay, let's just go through some of the things. His uh, his efficiency metrics and all that. Yards per reception in 2019. He was fourth, 18.3 yards per reception. He was sixth in yards per target. He had north of two yards per pass route. He had a catch rate of 56% and a catchable ball. He had all that with the 71st ranked catchable target rate. He's absolutely amazing. He was seventh in contested catches. And he runs silky smooth routes. Where is he going to go, though, that's a better situation? I don't know. It's it's hard. He ha- he'd have to land somewhere like... Washington? with Assuming they get a quarterback, have... Someone to throw it to him, pair him with Terry McLaurin. That is a very good pairing. Heck, put him with, they're getting rid of Sammy Watkins. Could you imagine him joining the Kansas City Chiefs? Oh, <laughs> yeah, they'd have to figure out what, uh, what, how the Rams are doing their, uh, their banking. They mm-hmm. have to get the same bank. Uh, but uh, if they figured that out and they were able to afford it, <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> or a team with the cap space to go get him. Adam Gase is gone. The Jets could go get him. The Colts could go get him. I was thinking the Jets. You put you put if if you keep Sam Darnold, that would still be fine. But let's say you take someone who's really gunning, a guy like Zach Wilson. You just but my favorite thing about Zach Wilson is there's no one, there's no window too small for Zach Wilson. You put him with a guy like Kenny Galladay. It's, I'm not saying it's going to be great, but uh, to quote one of my favorite it. movies. So you're saying there's a chance? <laughs> Dumb and that is right, right? Yeah. Okay, good. I thought so, but and then I had that little split moment of panic. I was like, panic. I was like, that's the wrong move, you idiot. That's okay. As soon as I said it, in my head, my head blanked as soon as I said it. I was like, oh my God, what if he's like, what movie is that? I literally had his face in my head. But anyway. Oh. And you have <laughs> one more uh, fun one for us. Yeah, so I changed mine a bit. Uh, I, even just during this uh, there, during this conversation, I was going through the list of uh, free agents that are available, and uh, I 
completely forgot when I was doing this workup that Curtis Samuel was out there. Mm. I mean, he's been he's been everyone's you know breakout star for the last couple of years. It just hasn't really materialized. Uh, this year, I really think the addition of Robbie Anderson's what hurt him, um, among some other things. Uh, also, when you factor in Teddy's just not. He, Teddy is a really good quarterback, but he's not going to make three great wide receivers in fantasy. It's just not going to happen. DJ Moore was pretty good. Robbie Anderson was a huge surprise. Uh, and that just left Curtis Samuel out there. The year before that, he was everyone's uh, everyone's uh, air yards king. Oh, yeah. Uh, and you know what? I, I It depends on where he's going to go. He's a weird one. He's someone who could play all over the formation. I'm a little afraid he's going to turn into a gadget guy, but he's someone else that, I mean, I was offered Curtis Samuel in a league literally just to move up two spots in the second round. So Mash, yes. Do what? Mash, yes. Thank you. <laughs> I give you if I was yeah. just moving back two spots and getting Curtis Samuel. Curtis Samuel, yeah. Yeah. That's that's all. That's what I traded. Yeah, I was gonna say, where do I sign? Yeah, so so that I mean, that tells you where his value is at. I'm sure the guy I traded with was an idiot. I'm sure it's not that. I'm sure it's not that far out there. And if you're the guy who sent me that trade offer, you're not an idiot. Thank you so much. I'd love to do so many deals with you in the future. Uh, I'm just, you know, you know, I'll call you after. We'll make some more deals. Don't think anything about it. You have some nice tropical uh, land in Alaska that you'd like to sell them to, right? Beachfront. Absolutely. All right, Matt, who are your three? Ah, well, there's a boy that I've had a man crush on since before he came into the league, and he has repeatedly lit a bag on fire and left it on my doorstep, and finally this year he started to show a little bit of it. My boy, Corey Davis. Chris, how many more wide receivers in the league are there that are just more naturally talented coming into the league than Corey Davis? Well, before his draft, I once heard him compared to a guy you might have heard of by the name of Terrell Owens. I heard about that a lot. I didn't agree with it at the time, and now it seems just silly. But that just tells you the kind of talent that he had coming out of college. He couldn't quite glide like Terrell Owens, but... He was sensational. Nope, he He's the all-time leading receiver in college football for a reason. And then he went and landed with the Titans when Mariota was a rising star. It seemed like a perfect fit. Mariota finally has that weapon. He had hamstring issues, and it just capped his development, and the wheels fell off of the Titans, and he never quite broke out. <clears throat> when Tannehill took over for Mariota, Mariota and, not Mariota, Tannehill and Corey Davis, they just had no chemistry. They didn't work together during the offseason. Tannehill was primarily working with the twos, a.k.a. A.J. Brown. (laughs) A.J. Brown was the two at the time, and that was why there was just such a natural chemistry between the two on the floor. Well, this year you start to see Tannehill worked with Corey Davis. You saw some of the connection. Corey Davis and A.J. Brown, if you put their stats up without their names beside it, you couldn't tell which one was which without knowing. And then... A.J. Brown continued on, and Corey Davis kind of faltered off a little bit at the end of the year. But, I mean, still, Corey Davis is still a really talented wide receiver that could still reach his ceiling. He could still have that year five, is this year five or year six? Breakout. This is year five. I believe it's year five. Yeah. 
what if Green Bay comes knocking? What if Detroit comes knocking? He'd be fine with Jared Goff. What if any of those teams that needs an alpha wide receiver comes knocking? Heck, what if we were just talking about it? What if the Jets come knocking? You tell me Corey Davis you, can't give you You know, you I'd like to see numbers? Corey Davis go, and you mentioned it. I think he would be a great fit with the Packers. One thing I noticed is that Corey Davis started to take off, and I don't I don't think he can't handle uh, top-end cornerbacks. I just think he needs someone to help take pressure off of him. It seemed like he played better when, when A.J. Brown was balling. Mm-hmm. That's something I noticed. They seem to play really well off of each other. I think you put him with someone like Devontae Adams, someone that's at least at first going to take the vast majority of defensive attention away. I, and he's going to be feasting on cornerback twos all game long with Aaron Rodgers throwing him the ball. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but you'd what be you talking about that? somebody that could put up 12, 1,300 yards, and and he could even wind up with 10 touchdowns, just depending on where Rodgers throws them. And you tell me you can go get that for – what a mid-second rounder probably yeah at this point i mean if you find the right league i bet you could probably pick him up late second rounder oh yeah i would i would happily happily pay that price i have he's a guy that i would offer a third for and just see what happens Mm -hmm. uh hopefully the guy you offer to is going to send you back a second and you'll just take that uh but you never know uh just kind of just kind of keep your head on a swivel for that. But I definitely would send I'd send that offer low. You could get a steal for a third. You get a steal for a second, but you could definitely get a steal for a third. That's that's incredibly low risk. Speaking of low risk, what if I told you still in his prime, one of the best, most talented wide receivers in the league is about to be a free agent. And right now, you could probably get him for lower than he's worth. Because if he lands in a much better opportunity, he's going to produce. If I told you that you had that opportunity out there, would you recommend I get drug tested? (laughs) Actually, I would tell you to go get it because I had that exact same opportunity at the beginning of this season knowing this was about to come up. Um, And I actually got him from you. I paid a little bit more for him than he's going to go for now. But I did it happily, and I have no regrets. I hope it crashes and burns for you i'm kidding i'm kidding we <laughs> we want the people to listen to succeed we want the players to succeed but alan robinson it seems like he just says no i do not want to be a chicago bear anymore you have not given me anything i have dealt with blake bortles at jacksonville i have dealt with the trubisky experience the nick Foles experience i do not want this anymore i do not like this sam i am get it out of here <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. Yes, you did. You knew where I was going. (laughs) Anyways, you tell me a guy that runs routes as well as he can, can pinpoint the ball as well as he can, handle a target, a heavy target share as well as he can. He can play at all three levels. And you're telling me you can get him for, golly, in the class like this with just how much hype, you could probably get him for an, early first, mid first, and the return you're going to get on that is so much better. 
Like, yeah, you're, you're you're definitely getting a huge deal with Allen Robinson, man. He's someone who's got several years of prime play left. He's someone that, like you said, is a fantastic route runner. That's something that's going to translate to any system. You know, unlike a guy like Kenny Galladay, who may need a little more help specifically on where he's going to go, Allen Robertson could pretty much go anywhere and succeed. Uh, I mean, he did it with Blake Bortles. 1,400 so, yards with Blake Bortles. Yeah, so he's, so he's going to do it just about anywhere he goes. His only bad season, he was injured. Recovering from an ACL, correct? Yeah, which is a two-year injury, and as soon as he hit that second year, he was right back to being a wide receiver one. He's someone that someone is gonna someone is gonna want to try to bail on due to the risk. But where is he gonna go that's worse than Chicago? New England. <laughs> no, they're gonna be fine. They're gonna draft Mac Jones. Oh, true. I forgot. That man. Love uh, you, Mac. He'll he'll share a nice cigar with Allen Robinson. Oh, <laughs> love you, Mac. <laughs> Oh, boy. And finally, another guy who, historically, there's very few receivers that have performed as well early as he did. And by a myriad of circumstances, he's faltered a little bit. But Juju Smith-Schuster's time in Pittsburgh might very well be up. There's conflict whether he's going to re-sign there or not. He wants to be a Steeler, he says, but the Steelers seem to be like, nah, you're good. You can, you can go elsewhere. Go dance with someone else. We don't want your logo dancing nonsense here. And Juju, he's not exactly a field stretcher, but if you put him in, my goodness, like San Francisco with Kyle Shanahan, someone that can get him in space, he is still great after the catch. He can operate well from the slot. He can still boogie all over on some corners. He's still very, very talented. He and Pittsburgh just had a falling out. You're telling me you can get him probably for less than Allen Robinson, and he's, what, 24, 25? <laughs> he's 24. I was just guessing. I couldn't remember which, but my Feels like goodness. he's been around forever, right? Yeah. Like, that's stealing. If he lands in anywhere, you kind of have to wait and see where he lands or take the plunge take the gamble if he lands in a really bad spot you might get burnt by that but that's worth the risk those are the moves that win you dynasty leagues yeah he's that guy that i would offer one of the first few picks in the second round for right now i would go ahead and take that plunge you may you may miss on you may miss a second round pick uh and you may he, he may not capitalize like you said he may go somewhere bad but uh, or he may stay in pittsburgh which seems to not be good either for him but, you know, he's 24 years old. He's already had elite production. I don't know what else there is to say about it. He's had some immaturity issues, but he's 24. He was 23 last season. So, you know, he's, he's still got a long way to go. Uh, most wide receivers start peaking out around 26, 27 years old. Um, he's still got years to go until his peak. And, again, he's had elite production already. That's that in itself, and there's not really an injury issue here. He's had a couple little dings, but no ACL injuries, nothing that could linger. I mean, you take a chance on that. If you can get him low, you take it and run. That, you know, in Dynasty, you have to take risks to succeed, but you kind of have to pick and choose which risks you're willing to take. This is one I take, and I sleep extremely well at night. Oh, yeah. 
without any hesitation. That's, oh gosh. This thought of getting juju for pennies on the dollar excites me. I'll, I'll, I'll take that risk every time. It's fairly low risk, actually. All right, so the quarterback carousel has been turning and turning and turning this offseason. You don't see this seasons like this happen very often. It's exciting, it's crazy, and it really makes me wonder what the heck is going to happen come March 9th. But there have been a few big, big QB moves. You had the Matthew Stafford, Jared Goff trade that made everybody's jaw hit the floor. And we're, we can just discuss the little fallout of that. Chris, I don't think it's really much of a discussion, but which quarterback got the better spot? <laughs> exactly. I mean, we we uh, we all know who won this trade. Um, I'd probably say Matthew Stafford won this trade more than anybody, but the Rams won it too. It's 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 a great deal. The Rams have been doing this thing where they just they kind of just say we don't care at all about first round picks. We're building something that has to win. I honestly think if they don't win a Super Bowl, everyone's fired. As much of their futures they've thrown away on these guys. So they had to make this move. Um, you never see, before I get too deep into this, you never ever see a quarterback or quarterback trade like this. I mean, I know it's already been a little while, but just taking a step back to marvel at it, that's really cool. And it's something that I hope the NFL does more. The NFL is getting more mobile. And I could see it happening pretty often. I hope this is a precedent that stands. Um, but when you look at Matthew Stafford, um, he's getting Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, uh, Cam Akers. He's getting Sean McVay, which I don't think there's any debate of uh, whether it was McVay or Goff who was creating yards there. When you really study the offense, it really looks like, you know, guys are just schemed way open with picks and Goff is throwing up layups. You give a guy like Matthew Stafford, who's just maybe a little bit better at throwing layups. It's going to be fun to watch there. Chris He's also the better fire. at ad-libbing. Man, Chris is bringing the fire, saying that Matthew Stafford is better than Jared Goff. What are you thinking? <laughs> All right, let, let's just take a little look into this. <laughs> yeah, For this situation, this is a dream come true for McVay. He has a loaded defense. He's got his got back that looks like he's capable of – taking on the girly role and running with it. Now, Matthew Stafford, he was 10th in true completion percentage just last year. 4th in air yards per attempt. 11th in accuracy rating. He had an accuracy rating of 7.5. 8-10 league-wide is usually viewed as most pinpoint passes, and with an accuracy rating above 6, you're deemed very accurate. This is perfect. Perfect for pushing the ball down the field and being able to distribute this ball effectively all around the field. Robert Woods might finally possess actual upside. Do you know how exciting that is for Robert Woods and Robert Woods fantasy owners? That is sensational. And we alluded to it earlier. Matthew Stafford has high touchdown upside in this offense. If this offense takes off, I would not at all be surprised to see Matthew Stafford throw 37 to 40 touchdowns. Yeah, I definitely see that happening as well. I think it's considering the numbers that Goff has put up, I would go as far as to call it even likely that he puts up at least the 35 touchdown range. Anything less is going to be a disappointment. 
if he comes out and puts out 28 touchdowns, don't let them come out and say, oh, this wasn't a disappointment. It was a disappointment. That's what you, that's what you gave up. That's what you gave up all those extra picks for. Jared Goff could come throw you 28 touchdowns and be average. So I definitely think it's going to be more than that. Um, looking on the other side of this, though, I don't think this is as bad for the Lions and bad for Goff as, we're, as most people are saying. It is going to test us and see, can Jared Goff play? Can Jared Goff not play? Goff pl- throws a beautiful ball. If the system works with him, and I'm definitely got some concerns over that, um, Dan Campbell, despite his, despite the fact that I love him as a head coach, and a lot of people are going to give him crap for his, for his press conferences and <laughs> just how hashtag unfiltered he can be sometimes. I I love him as a head coach because of that spirit, but I'm not sure if sophisticatedly scheming guys open is his thing. So he's probably not going to have that benefit in Detroit. So you have to really, this is really going to tell us, can Jared Goff read a defense effectively? Can he not read a defense effectively? This is going to be that proven year for him. Um, What about the weapons? Is Marvin Jones going to come back? Marvin Jones can do a lot of the same things deep that a guy like Cooper Cup can do. Cooper Cup gives you a few extra benefits, but Marvin Jones can do a lot of those deep balls on play action that uh, Goff feasted on during his time in L.A. Um, what about Kenny Galladay? Is he gone? I mean, like I said earlier, that's the best wide receiver he would have played with, in my opinion. Losing him would be huge unless you go get a Allen Robinson, which Allen Robinson, do not go to Detroit. Go somewhere where you can win. Do not go to Detroit, Allen Robinson. Love you, Detroit. Um, <laughs> sorry, that's that's, that's part that, that's part of my positively unfiltered mantra. If if you're gonna if you're gonna have to tell it how it is, you do it with love and you do it with a little bit of positivity. You can't be a jerk. But I'm sorry, Allen Robinson. Do not go to Detroit. Um, the guy that I'm really interested in all this. Um, I think in, in L.A., Akers is going to see an uptick in value because they're going to have to respect uh, the deep ball more of Stafford than they would have Goff. But what about on the other side? They're going to have to throw the ball more. There's going to be a bunch of targets missing. Does DeAndre Swift see a huge uptick in targets? I think he does. I think you can see the receiving upside we thought that CEH was going to have with the Chiefs. I think you can see it was Swift this year. Thoughts? Oh, boy. You're getting me very excited. I have DeAndre Swift shares in a couple leagues. I've been trying to get him in another one. I've been dangling J.K. Dobbins out like, hey, let's just work out a little exchange here. A little of this, a little of that. They don't seem to be biting on it, and they're smart. Just think about where Dan Campbell just came from, who he was working under, and what running back he saw, how they were, how that running back was used. And how that skill set mirrors DeAndre Swift's. Alvin Kamara, for three straight seasons, I think it was three straight seasons, caught 81 passes every year. And this last year, he caught 83. Oh, streak broken. Yep. Alarm sounds. Slacker. Alvin Kamara trying to be an overachiever. Come on, man. Get your act together. No. DeAndre Swift, Dan Campbell says he wants to line him up in the slot some let him catch balls out of the backfield. Are you telling me that Dondre Swift can't catch 80 balls? Oh, he absolutely can catch 80 balls, especially with somebody like Jared Goff, who is routinely peppering 
crap, what's his name? Todd Gurley with targets during his prime. Oh, yeah, this is great. At this point, Goff is nothing more than a glorified game manager, and to call him average might even be nice. Let's just compare those numbers that I had brought up to Stafford. Remember, Stafford was, his worst was he was 11th in accuracy rating. Jared Goff, he was 19th in true completion percentage. And he throws a really pretty ball. Yeah, bad. He was 34th in air yards per attempt. He only averaged 6.3 air yards per attempt. Bad. 22nd in accuracy rating. Bad. Now, as I just said, he'll effectively be able to distribute the ball to Swift, operating both in and out of the slot. He should be able to get the ball to Hawkinson effectively. Dan Campbell's specialty, tight ends. Hawkinson can see 100 targets. As for the fantasy side of this, Goff possesses little fantasy value unless this offense really surprises. He's more of a game manager bridge QB while this team rebuilds across the board. And I think the uh, fantasy value for Goff, as bad as it was, got worse. Yeah, I, I when I was typing this up, I really thought I really thought about just saying go ahead and drop Jared Goff. Uh, but if you're in like a super flex or something, I would hold on to him. If you're in a one QB league, uh, go ahead and cut your losses. Hasta la vista, baby. <laughs> I mean, he could turn out to play well, but just like I said with Juju, <clears throat> cutting him and making room for someone who's more likely to put up numbers is a risk I'm willing to take. Um, I, honestly, I, I would I would hold him in super flex. I think that's probably the only place he has value. There's a chance that if they get weapons around and they bring most of those weapons back and they're able to utilize some form of a pass of the RB and a you know play action type offense like he was able to use in LA, maybe he's a suitable R, uh, QB too, maybe. Um, but looking at our other big QB trade, uh, Carson Wentz to the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, real quick, Justin Palashik, I hope you're listening. Uh, I remember. At Palashik609 on Twitter. It's going to be our second call out of the episode. Uh, we expect you guys to hound him to get him on this podcast next week. We will be watching. Uh, anyway, back to this trade. Uh, so so what, did you, what did you think about this from a fantasy perspective, Matt? Well, we were just talking earlier about how Carson Wentz, even with his mom and pop out there playing wide receiver for him and tight end <laughs> and all that was still managing to put up QB one numbers. So now you have Alshon Jeffrey, who's at this point is terrible and has nothing left in his legs. He's just a waste of a Jersey number. Love you, Alshon. <laughs> you replace him with Michael Pittman Jr. Who, offers a similar skill set to Alshon Jeffrey, but seems to be more talented. Love you, Alshon. Exactly. You have my boy Paris Campbell, who is just a threat. If he could ever quit, if he could ever just get away from these black cats that keep walking in front of him. Two... Seasons in, two injuries right out the gate. I really hope that doesn't do anything to his explosiveness. He's a menace out of the slot. You put him in that T.Y. Hilton role, and that was one of his comps coming out was T.Y. Hilton, but better. I love me some Paris Campbell and what he could be for this offense. That's one of the reasons I think T.Y. is about to hit the bricks. And assuming that Ertz doesn't wind up with the Colts and just 
really make me dislike him more. Think about Mo Ali Cox and his sneaky high upside. First off, I have never in my life seen a human being bigger than that. I'm kidding. I've seen Shaq and all that, but still, Mo Cox just looks like a mammoth out there. Now think about this. I'm going to get a little heavy. Philly just last season targeted tight ends 168 times, and they operated in their 12 personnel about 35% of the time. They finished only seven snaps behind the Titans for the league lead in 12 personnel. Last season, Indy lined up in 12 personnel about 21% of the time, but they averaged a nice 8.3 air yards per attempt in that formation. Only 119 targets to the tight end, but you got to assume that's going to give a little bit. Reich knows Carson Wentz. There's a familiarity there with him. He knows that Carson Wentz throws the ball well to the tight ends. He likes the tight ends. He's going to tailor the thing a little bit. I think Carson Wentz, if he can stop seeing ghosts and just settle in and play football again could give you legit back in QB one season with maybe mid QB one upside. If he has any semblance of 2017 left in him. I like that. I like that projection for Wentz. I kind of think he's going to be in that QB one area. Again, he was QB one with uh, throwing the ball to actual ghosts. Um, what is it Skip Bayless always says about uh, the Patriots receivers? Tom Brady would just go out of the crowd and pick three random white guys from Boston. <laughs> That's basically what the Eagles have done to Wentz for like four seasons. Uh, they kind of just been starting, I don't know, preschoolers and waiting for Alshon to come off of IR every year. Um, Anyway, so looking at this group here, you covered it really, really well, but the guy who's the huge winner of this is Jonathan Taylor. I think when you have when you have uh, the deep ball that Carson Wentz has, um, really looking at that 2017 tape from that year, I actually did a study for our good friend at Logic 609 on Twitter um, a few years ago where we really broke down the differences between 2016 and 2017 Carson Wentz. Um, and that offense, it really catered to the things he did well, which is a lot of downfield passing. And they used his downfield passing to make those safeties back up and really respect that deep ball. So the pass actually created yards for the run in that system in 2017. If you gave JT that system, oh, my God. I, I, at this point, we're kind, of, we're kind of playing apples to critically injured oranges with uh, with Carson Wentz at this point. I don't expect him to be 2017 Carson, but if you could give me 85% of that, if you could give me 2018 Carson Wentz, or he was still some semblance of himself, and then you put him with that kind of offense in that O-line, Jonathan Taylor could be your RB1. Oh, boy. Overall. Oh, you know how I feel about Jonathan Taylor. Don't do this to me. I love that man. <laughs> For, for the listeners, I just want you guys to know that a big reason why I made that comment is just to see Matt's face. You guys can't see Matt's face, and that's not fair to you guys, and I'm sorry. But I, I, I did it because I knew that every segment we do from here on out, I'm going to kick his butt because he's going to be thinking about JT as the RB1. Oh, I'm very excited. Uh, I love Jonathan Taylor. You know how much I love Zeke. 
Cutting you off that. to the past. Let's go to prospect talk. Cutting it off to the past. We'll talk about prospect. I'm in charge here. <laughs> you are the host. That's right. Uh, you know how much I love Zeke. I like Jonathan Taylor more. I do. And oh, you can hear it. You can hear the pain in my voice and all that. So yeah, we're gonna we're gonna go away from that and a little just a little thought process. Everybody's asking this question. Some people are like, it's player X and it's not even close. Some people are like it's player Y and it's not even close. And there's some people who have it right and say, well, player X does certain things better than player Y, but player Y does things better than player X. So who are these Xbox control people that I'm talking about? We are talking about Najee Harris and Travis Etienne and which one are better prospects. I'm the numbers nerd. Chris is the film guru. Put up your dukes and let's get ready to rumble. Don't come after me, Michael Buffer. <laughs> All right, you go first. All right, so we're talking Harris and Etienne. So, man, this is tough. Without knowing where they're drafted, this is tough. Because this is one that's going to depend, depend so much on where they're drafted. And, and, and I know like we're asking who's the better play, prospect and who's the better player. But this literally depends on the system. If if you take if you take Najee Harris and you put him in pretty much any system, he's going to succeed. He has a great receiving rating. He does he catches the ball really really well. He uh, he pretty much has everything except for long speed, and I think even that's pretty sneaky. He's he's got a little more of that than he's getting he's giving credit for. You're watching him go out there and do everything really well. He's got great vision. He runs with great power, great acceleration. I mean, if he had long speed, you'd be talking about him as a first-round running back in real life. Obviously, he's a first-round dra- draft pick in fantasy. Uh, but then you look at ETN. ETN has some holes. ETN doesn't quite have that kind of vision. He doesn't really have lateral mobility at all. But when I scouted ETN, the one word that kept coming up was explosive. God, he's so explosive. He's like... Alvin Cook explosive, except maybe a little more explosive. He's getting better as a receiver. <laughs> I did that one for Matt's face as well. I'm sorry I keep doing that to you, to you listeners. I promise the next time we do this, I will take screenshots of his face. I was unprepared for this today. Uh, <clears throat> but anyway, he's, he's also improving year over year as a receiver. He's someone who did himself a lot of good coming back last year. He probably would have been in that top three or four RBU discussion last year. But he improved so much as a receiver this year. I'm really excited, but he's someone that I want to go to a specific system, someone who's not going to have to do anything laterally. You're probably looking at a Mike Shanahan type system. If you get him in a like if you get him in a Shanahan system with someone like the 49ers, that that's over. You're talking about a guy who's going to have fifteen hundred plus yards, total yards, year one, and someone who could be a yearly candidate for two thousand plus total yards. Like that's absolutely done, but there are systems where he's not going to succeed as much. And with explosive as he is, he'll make plays anywhere. But without knowing the systems, and I'm sorry for coming all the way back around to this, but without knowing the systems, it's definitely Najee Harris. He's just too well-rounded. Bring it on, Chris. Bring it on. In the past, we discussed, and I thought that Najee had vaulted Travis Etienne a little bit as far as the prospect, but nah. No, I've kind of settled back into reality. I have some clarity on this, and I think you're living <laughs> up in the clouds here. You're talking about elite speed, 
He could leave Najee Harris standing there with his thumb hanging out like, and that's, and to, uh, his speed isn't even his best quality. It's his acceleration. He goes from zero to Ferrari in zero seconds. He's not even street legal. No, he's not. It's, it's not fair. And running backs like that typically don't have great contact balance. His contact balance is phenomenal. What Najee Harris does a little better than him is Najee Harris, for as big as he is, moves a little better laterally, and he has a little bit better vision. Etienne sometimes is a little spotty with his vision, but who the heck cares? You mentioned in one of his uh, best comparisons earlier, Dalvin Cook, my boy. Him and Jonathan Taylor both have special plates in my heart. Two of my three favorite players in the league. But remember who I said, and you said you got the same vibe watching him, who his player comp is? Jamal Charles. Jamal Charles, how many carries did he need to put up 25 fantasy points? Nine, Not many. Nine, ten, four pass catches? And you're telling me that I can get somebody who I think is more explosive? Yeah. You tell me, all right, now, Najee Harris, who's your best player comp for him? Because I have one that I've heard tossed around, and I had actually thought of this before him, and I was like, you're taking words out of my mouth. But I actually felt smart for a change. Watching Najee Harris play, I see a lot of Steven Jackson. Ooh, Steven Jackson. Yeah. That is fun. Yeah. Now. That is fun. Uh, um, you know what? I actually think that might be his best player comp. Mm-hmm. I love some Steven Jackson. I'm, I'm stalling a little bit because for some reason I blanked out on this. I have his scouting report, the scouting report I did on him. So I'm going to go ahead and pull that up. You can you can find that very very soon coming to the website. We're gonna we're going to have these coming out. Um, I took this time for a cheek plug, and I am not at all sad about it. Nor should you be. So. So for for Najee Harris, I have his player comp as one slow internet connection. Wow. <laughs> one on one, I take it all back right now. You cannot beat the slow internet connection. Okay. No, no, I have I have another I have another great uh back from that era, kind of similar. Uh Matt Forte and Frank Gore. Um I, I use I use Frank Gore as more of a running style comp. Uh, but I think he's a good enough receiver that he's also close to Matt Forte in that in that way. Uh, but Steven Jackson kind of encompasses both of those guys. I do think Steven Jackson early in his career was more a little more explosive. I keep coming back to that. But I think he was a little more explosive than what Harris is right now. But stylistically, that's a great comp. You're seeing this guy at 230 pounds go out there and hurdle people like Zeke did. I mean, he's not as physical as a guy like Zeke. But he definitely has great contact balance. He's got a lot of power as well. He just does so much so well. Mm-hmm. Now, kind of uh, the question I was rounding into, who would you rather have in today's fantasy football world or as running back prospects in general? Would you rather have somebody who compares to Dalvin Cook, Jamal Charles, or another one that I just thought about, Ladanian Tomlinson? I don't like the LT comp. Oh, I love it. You don't, you don't tarnish the name of LT, no. man. That's like one of the three or four uh, fantasy RBs like ever. 
Like, you, don't do that. You hear me wrong. I'm saying, like, that's who his playing style is like. LT. I mean, he's he's well rounded. I I just I don't I don't know. I don't see that one. No, nah, that's just your LT love coming in. That or, could be LT. I'm actually right now in the home of LT in Dallas, so I can't. Uh, that that could be it. Ah, see, yeah, you're channeling it. Okay, that I can't, explains it. Now, don't I can't. Know what I'm uh, not I can't be sitting in Dallas right now, uh, <laughs> invoking the name of LT in vain. Got to come out and defend my dog just a little bit more than that. Yeah. No, certainly uh, don't. Hear but what the I'm rest not of saying. your points are valid. Yeah. Um, his comps are great, uh, but go look at what Steven Jackson did all time. Mm-hmm. Steven Jackson, he he was like the horse of horses, but like, are you telling me that as a running back prospect, you wouldn't prefer to have someone like that as opposed to Steven Jackson? I would take Jamal Charles over Steven Jackson without hesitation. I would take this Calvin so, Cook This over is so Steven fun Jackson. because it's such a matter of preference. Mm-hmm. Like, I... I grew up <clears throat> my, my biggest thing with running backs is and I'm probably a little biased in this way, but my biggest thing is vision and then either have to have long speed or power. So you've got guys you've, you've got pretty good vision with ETN, uh, but you've got a lot more long speed and a lot more acceleration. You've got a little bit better vision with a guy like Harris, which ETN can get, but you've also got a lot of power with with Harris as well. I <clears throat> this is something like you know, you talked about in the beginning, like the distance between these guys is I have I have an 8.8 on Harris right now, which is a high, high, high first round grade. Uh, he's not going to go there when you factor in, you know, where Arby's typically go. But I've got an 8.8 on him and I've got an 8.5 on ETN. So you're looking at just minimal, minimal differences. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like I said, don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that he's going to go out and he's going to beat Jamal Charles, LT, anything like that. I'm just saying like when I watch him play. And I was watching LT play. I was like, okay. After seeing how great Etienne evolved as a pass catcher this year, I see he could have L- that ceiling. Yeah, I see. I was uh, going to say I see an you LT could, like You could ceiling. be looking into something like that. He, he, I think at this point in their careers, LT was better. But don't give, don't get me wrong. He could have that ceiling. Okay. He is that explosive, and he is improving as a receiver. Uh, definitely, definitely. Um, I think. Uh, looking at him, Jamal Charles is probably his best comp. That was one that you came up with. I I, I don't remember. I don't remember if I had it already, or if, but I remember you talked to me about it, and that's such a great fit for him. Uh, Jamal Charles Charles is no slacker either. He had some injuries, but the guy for a really long time averaged five point one yards per carry over like seven seasons mm-hmm. as a lead back. Isn't that is he, incredible. Isn't he the uh, like all-time leader in yards per carry, or is that still Jim Brown? Uh, it was Jamal Charles for a really long time, but he played some years past his prime, and I don't have that information on me right now. But for several, several years, he was he was the all-time leader at 5.1 yards per carry. Mm-hmm. He finished with a 5.4. Oh, my career. God. Yeah, like that's nuts. That That's just insane. Yeah. Now, what was, yeah, like what you mentioned, what was Jamal Charles' Achilles heel was his durability. And that could raise some red flags with Etienne. He didn't just touch the ball as much as Harris often. But could that also be argued as a point in his favor? I know that your, like, college touches and your pro production touches, there's just no correlation. No matter how many times people, how much people say, 
oh, well, they got ridden like a Clydesdale in college. They're going to fall apart in the pros. I'm like, no, that just, that just does not happen. It takes injuries to just really start to pile it up or just, you know, just so many miles after so much and so much pounding physical running style to start to wear you down. It's not just how much you, how much workload you have. And that could be a point in Najee Harris's favor. Like we're just splitting hairs here. I just prefer the guys that can handle workhorse work roles, serve as workhorse backs and more explosive. And you're more just well-rounded balance. And that's Najee Harris. There's not really a right. Once they get on teams and we see where they're fitting, I could totally make a post-draft switch on this. That's why I've tried to talk a lot about the system because if you put not if you put uh, ETN on any one on any one cut zone blocking scheme system, I'm flipping immediately. Oh yeah, that's the guy. That that's literally the guy. Probably the, the guy, first guy I've ever looked at and be like, oh my god, like. <laughs> It, it just I could see that I could see how he could be awesome. He could be an all timer in that type of system. Mm-hmm. But we don't know where he's gonna go. And, and and we really try to see we see a lot of coaches who try to pigeonhole players into their system and I just I'm nervous. He I I don't think he has that upside in every single system. Um Harris and does. so it's just a matter of gambling. Um I think Najee has a floor in every single system. If you're gonna draft before the actual NFL draft in my opinion, you have to take Najee Harris first. But if if you're if you're going if you unless you you have a really good stable of running backs and you just need to take a chance, if you're in that position where you could take a chance, you can go with ETN. But if you need someone that you're going to be pretty sure is going to be startable next year, I would draft Harris. And I would like I've said a lot, I wouldn't lose any sleep over that. Here's a fun little uh, question, and I swear we'll get moving to the next segment. I was listening to a mock draft done today, like uh, just a first round mock draft for all the positions. And they had Najee Harris going to Miami at the middle of the first round. And they had Travis Etienne going to Tampa at 32. Which one's better? So they had Harris going to Miami. Mm -hmm. And they had Etienne going to Tampa. Yeah. I would... Definitely say Tampa. Mm-hmm. I mean, Etienne and Tampa for sure. I mean, you look at the weapons that would be around him there. Um, he probably would still think he's at Clemson. He's got this super heralded QB uh, and then weapons all over the field with him. Uh, you know, he did a ton of those little screens. Uh, he didn't run a ton of like really sophisticated routes, but he did a ton of screens where everyone was focused on Lawrence throwing the ball deep. And he had these huge, huge spaces with that you can go with the ball. You could have that in Tampa, too. Mm-hmm. That just sort of like illustrates just how the landing spot could just completely flip everything. And how we're just talking uh, Granny Smith and Red Delicious Apples here. All right. And let's see. What was our next one? Yeah, we had, we're going to talk about the uh, triangle of wide receivers. We're going to talk about Jamar Chase, Devonta Smith, and Jalen Waddell. And we'll try to not go for an hour on this one. You know what, man? If we have to break this up into a series of three episodes, let's let's go for it. Bring it on. You only live, you only live once, man. That's right. Now, my, All right. my biggest man crush of this draft is my boy Jamar Chase. I've heard two player comps for him that absolutely made me salivate. Salivate, and I loved it. I heard one compare him to... 
Odell Beckham Jr. Really? Yeah. Someone compared him to Odell Beckham Jr. Just how well he analytically tested, the skill set he brings to the table, not necessarily his total play style. And then the other one just about made me get fired from USN because I would have to go streaking. I'm kidding. We do not endorse streaking. But they compared him to the— no streaking policy at USN. He will be fired if he does it. They compared so if you see to, if you see Matt running around naked, uh, DM at Chris Smith USN. Do not send me a picture for the love of God, <laughs> unless you're going to blur it out. The other one I heard was DeAndre Hopkins. They were like, he can just go up and he can moss people like DeAndre Hopkins. He doesn't need that much separation. He's just going to beat you. I have one for you on him. Ooh, I love it. And we're just we're talking about one of the best wide receivers I've seen in a lot since Amari Cooper. The best receiver I've seen come out since Amari Cooper. All right. The guy he reminds me most of is uh Tez Bryant. Ooh. He wins really, 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 ooh, really well at the catch point. Ooh, 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 ooh. But he's not as big as a guy like Julio or Megatron. No. Uh he's a lot closer to that Des Bryant size. Um and I haven't I haven't seen Quite the explosiveness I saw in twenty in twenty ten Des, uh, but it's close. It's very close. The other guy that you could comp him to also played at Oklahoma State with Des, uh, Justin Blackman. I know, I know. Oh, he was a G. The, I'm talking about college Justin Blackman, and it was a very similar play style. Uh, I haven't looked at the analytics to see how these guys compare. This was actually just me watching film on these guys, and like I see a ton of both of those guys. Man, uh, Jamar Chase, he does so much. I love those comps, by the way. So much about his game just makes me so excited. I want to get him everywhere I can, but sometimes I have to do the right thing for my team, and I have likely squandered in one of my dynasty leagues the chance to get him. I traded... Uh, J.K. Dobbins to get Amari Cooper. I already had Chris Godwin paired up with him, and I have Jonathan Taylor as my other running back, and I'm picking from the two spot. So I was like, all right, I can just get Jamar Chase, pair him with Chris Godwin, I'll be fine. But my plan is to compete. And I need more than just one wide receiver in this sort of thing where you get to play like three, four wide receivers as opposed to only two or three running backs. And I can just replace Dobbins with Etienne, who I think is better. It, it just made perfect sense. And I think Amari Cooper is going to be in for an amazing year. He was on pace for, what, over 200 targets last year? He, he he's kind of like wide receiver seven. seven or eight. Like, if you look at his span where him and Dak have both been healthy, he's wide receiver seven or eight. Yeah. Like, it's it's ridiculous. And and then next year, I mean, they're not going to fix the defense in one offseason. Uh, Zeke is only getting older. You probably even want to protect Zeke a little bit and try to throw him into some more, you know, easier running situations as opposed to the other way around. Um, I would have made that trade more than likely as well. I mean, Jamar Chase plus Dobbins would have been fun, Mm -hmm. but I would probably take Etienne and Cooper. Uh, For everyone who's saying, you know, CeeDee Lamb is going to overtake Cooper, I mean, both of these guys were on pace for monster years with Michael Gallup out there eating some targets as well. So 
I don't really care who finishes as the team's wide receiver one because they're both going to finish as high end wide receiver ones in dynasty. And just wait as long as all three remain healthy this year. Yeah, I said it. Just wait till Michael Gallup gets cut after this year and imagine that. I don't. Wow, that's gonna be so many targets. Yep. Um, I don't. I don't know for sure they're gonna cut him, but I don't know how you pay him. Correct. So, so they're gonna do something with him. Um, he could be a trade deadline guy if the season looks like it's going nowhere. Um, I do think they could draft another day three wide receiver with a similar physical profile. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we'll see what they do there. I think they need to have a plan because that team runs right now so much through that wide receiver core that you don't want to just cut one of those guys with no plan. Um, but they're going to have to make some financial decisions at some point because the Rams are just using a different bank than everyone else. And until we all figure out how to have access to that bank, we've, we've got to make some decisions. We've got to live in the real world. Um, so at some point, yeah, they're going to have to make that decision. Um, but going back to the going back to Jamar Chase, man, he is such an animal. Yes, he is. If you haven't guessed it, guys, he's my wide receiver one. Just just throwing that out there. Hey, uh, I think I think right after we promised not to go for an hour, we uh, we didn't even actually open the question. We just started talking about Jamar Chase and got well, on our both put on our man crush goggles. Well, you know. I he's up there in terms of uh just man crush with Jonathan Taylor, Dalvin Cook, you know. Matt has actual heart emojis for eyes right now. Yes, I do. If he keeps this up, I'm gonna turn the camera off on my Skype. I mean, you're on here too, big boy. That that helps a little bit. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, if I wasn't already the president of the company, I'd have to file sexual harassment with the president. But I, since I'm him. I'll get that paperwork on my desk by tomorrow morning. <laughs> Feel a little uncomfortable, America. Oh, boy, we're having fun. Yep, this is a fun podcast. All right. And uh, so what's the question? Who would you prefer out of all three? We've kind of already told it, but we can just make cases for why we like each one of them. Chase Smith, Devonta Smith, and Jalen Waddle. Chris, you are the I mean, film guy. So... I mean, it's it, it's tough because this is another one where they're not really graded that far apart. I have Jalen Waddle graded a little bit behind the other two, not very much, but the other two are right next to each other. Um, you could make the argument that there are spots where I might like Devonta Smith more, um, but I think he needs a physical wide receiver on the other side of him. I don't think... I don't think you could just let all of the press coverage roll towards Devonta Smith. I think that's going to hurt him in the NFL. There's a lot of there's a lot of Marvin Harrison in his game, and they're about the same size. We'll see for sure once he has that weigh in that he won't have. Uh, but I mean, if he comes in around the 170, 175 pounder in, in Marvin Harrison wheelhouse, and he has a very similar play style, you could have you could see him have an extremely prolific career. I don't like the spot he would be drafted as far as how high, but I would love to see him play in Miami with Tua. They had a great connection there. His recent preferring Mac Jones comments 
kind of make that awkward. Uh, but you do what you do for your teammates who are still not drafted yet. Uh, hopefully they would, that would just get resolved. But stylistically, <clears throat> Tua is such an amazing anticipatory passer. And Devonta Smith is such is such a great route runner and such a great watching all three the all these guys last year when Ruggs and Judy were still there. I kept going back to Devonta Smith because as much as I would try to watch the other guys, Devonta Smith would just keep making plays, and I thought, well, he's getting third the third corner, so I just kind of put it in the back of my mind. This year he got the first corner from the jump. While him and Waddle kind of split, depending on who, what kind of what coverage they were playing. But then Waddle got hurt, and he got all of the attention. And while the target share might have inflated his numbers, he was consistently open while getting a ton of attention at his size. It's really incredible. Uh, Waddle is that guy who, he's probably the most explosive player with the ball in his hands in this draft, at least in the early parts. He does a lot of things really, really well. I've seen some weird things watching him and Smith play together that I don't really understand. Uh, he's He can adjust the ball really well, but I only know that because he's had to do that a lot with, with Mac Jones, and I don't really understand it because Jones is usually really accurate. So I'm still trying to figure out how much of this is Waddle maybe not being in the best spot, or maybe Smith is off. Or maybe it was the injury to Waddle, or maybe they weren't completely in sync, because that's something that could have happened due to lack of playing time. We'll see, but that kind of gives me pause. You're playing with a top-tier quarterback, and for some reason there seems to be a timing issue where these balls are coming in late. <clears throat> Which way is that? We'll see. Um, but all three of these guys are going to be top 15 to 20 picks, just like last year. Uh, graded pretty similarly to that top class last year where you had three absolute stars. Um, what do you think, Matt? Well, we already know I like Chase over all of them. Uh, we had a little bit of a discussion about this, and with the way the game is played nowadays where it's more about receivers in space, yards after the catchability and speed are much more coveted than route running. I made that case for... That's why I preferred Jalen Waddle. There was a uh, video I saw just today, actually, of while they were still in college together, him and Henry Ruggs running a race on the football field, and it was a photo finish. You know who, uh, like, his size-speed combination, who a good comp for him is? Who's that? Again, don't hear what I'm not saying, but Tyreek Hill. No, I love it. Yeah, it... People are going to be like, oh, he's trying to say he's Tyreek Hill. No, we're not ever going to say Not every fast Tyreek guy Hill. is Tyreek Hill. Get off my lawn. <laughs> yeah, not every fast guy is Tyreek Hill. But every fast guy who has a limited route tree coming out of college and explosive with the ball in their hands and plays a similar style and could have similar draft capital and could end up in a really great system and da 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 I'm talking too fast. But... All, all the guys who fit all of those traits down to the da-da-da-da-da, those guys have a ceiling of Tyreek Hill. Mm-hmm. That's why you give them that comp. Yep. No, I love And he flashed really good route running, especially this year before he got hurt. If you recall, Devonta Smith was just kind of middling along for those first few games. He wasn't putting up near the numbers he finished with. 
while Jalen Waddle was putting up the Devonta Smith numbers that he was putting up. And what my favorite thing about Jalen Waddle is, like you were talking about with his adjustment to the catch, his ability to go up and high point the ball with his skill set and his size, that is incredible. That just makes him so versatile, very dangerous in this league. And I think if I'm a team and I am in need of like a playmaker, maybe not more of a possession receiver, I would probably covet Jalen Waddell a little more than Devonta Smith. But like you said, they're they're very, very close. But I have Chase way above them, and I'm admittedly a little biased because I'm absolutely in love with the guy. All right, he shot his shot. Everyone at Jamar Chase right now. Let them. <laughs> My wife is going to kill me, and then she's going to track you down. Well, I am. Uh, I am in Dallas, Texas, and for all she needs to know, I live here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so one fun thing. Um, I know we're kind of getting long on time here, but one fun thing. Um, take that group we have now. Add in Kyle Pitts. Uh, he, there's some debate of whether he'll be a wide receiver or a tight end. I think he's going to dominate it either. But if you throw in Kyle Pitts, how would you order that group? I would order it Chase, Waddle, Smith, Pitts. And the big knock against Pitts is he doesn't have the speed of Waddle and Smith. He doesn't have quite the uh, just complete route tree and everything that Jamar Chase has. What Kyle Pitts does have is he has excellent, excellent body control. He's very physical and take a beating with it, and he's about as sure-handed as they come. I think that people of his skill sets, they're not going to typically see the target shares that players like Chase and Smith will command, and he doesn't offer the explosiveness that Waddle does. You give Waddle a target share, and oh my gosh. But what Kyle Pitts does have, these two probably don't have, is he has a much higher touchdown ceiling, be a red zone menace. And I think that's why I would not hesitate to rank him four. But like uh, Angelo said last week, if he winds up as a tight end, he has gold jacket on his shoulders if he doesn't get hurt or do something stupid. I would say that it would it would be a probably a huge mistake to move him to tight end. I move him to wide receiver. Um, I do think you have best tight end in league potential with him, and I think he comes into the league as like a top four or five tight end day one. I mean that position is pretty thin in fantasy. I mean just for my own selfish fantasy reasons, like seeing him at tight end would make my heart do really well. And I think I think that positional advantage you could have with him at tight end would definitely be make it worth drafting him with a top three pick, even in non uh, T premium formats. Now, if you get a tight end premium, I mean, if it's not Superflex, you have to consider this guy at number one. Mm-hmm. That might be a little spicy, but I don't think so. And a Superflex, I mean, let's see where the rest of the quarterbacks not named Trevor Lawrence lands. But if it's a Superflex tight end premium, I mean, if the other, their quarterbacks go to spots where they may not play right away, you could be looking at him at two or three. Yeah, you're talking about a guy that could be the next Evan Ingram, 
but actually good at football. <laughs> and not just freakishly athletic. I've heard people compare him to Darren Waller, and I think he's much more explosive than Darren Waller, but I do like the comp. You know, can you imagine this guy if they do put him a wide receiver against a 5'10 corner? <laughs> can you imagine and that's, and, and if that's going that corner's game Herman? assignment? Like, like, how would you want to be the defensive coach that goes and tells that 5'10 corner, hey, you're really feisty, cover Kyle Pitts. Uh, I would take my helmet off, hand it to him, and go dig a hole. <laughs> That's literally like Godzilla being covered by Pee Wee Herman. <laughs> All right, so so that 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 was my fun. There, we can go on to whatever's next. Or let's see, we're running a little long on time. I think we may have to uh, wrap this up. All good things must come to an end, people, and. With all the time that Matt spent with hard, hard emojis for eyes, he's, he's definitely got to go to bed. He's probably a little worn out. Oh, yeah. The, after so long, the room starts to resemble a heart, and that just makes everything trippy. He's basically male Sailor Moon right now. Man. I would look much better in the pigtails, though. Oh, man. Okay. Yes, this is a good time to end the podcast because that's what I want everyone to take away from this. Uh, go to Matt's profile, iDuck14 on Twitter, and picture him in pigtails. Um, if, if you guys want a shout-out from, from USN, Photoshop some pigtails. Let's have some real fun with this. Oh, boy. Boy, I just, I just unleashed the storm. I'm going to get destroyed in the next couple days. Woo. Well, this was a blast. This was an absolute blast. We do need to do this again. Very soon. This was a lot of fun. Alrighty. Chris, we pumped you up a little bit in the last one, but we're closing out right now. Why don't you uh, pump up what you do, stuff that's coming. Let them know where they can find you. Alright, so you can find me at, at ChrisSmithUSN. Um, unless you're trying to send me pictures of Matt's drinking, then don't at me at all. It is um, then at Palashik609. Yes, yes, that one. That's my. Uh, that's the account I accept all uh, Matt, Matt streaking photos to. Okay, I'm sorry, Justin. That might be a little too harsh. Um, but so what we have going right now at USN, man, it's such a fun time to be at USN. Uh, we've got a great draft department going right now. We're really bridging that over into fantasy. Um, we've got a lot of segments that are going to be really pushing the next few weeks. We're going to have mock draft Mondays. Um, I put something out a few weeks ago that, got a lot of love i'm probably going to update it it's called the contrarian mock draft uh, basically i look at you know non-conventional draft pick ideas and then i let you good people on twitter destroy me for it and then we see who has the last lap at the draft uh, so i'll have another one of those coming pretty soon um, i do a lot of qb content some dallas cowboy stuff um, and then just whatever we have going on at usn as you can tell we don't really have filters here and we have a lot of fun and some of us have pigtails uh, I always have a blast coming on here, Matt. My my availability with all my office work I do for USN, as well as my you know regular work, kind of always puts me in a little bit of a bind for time. But uh, I definitely want to keep making this a habit. Oh, it was it was great time. It was a great time. I loved. I absolutely love doing this. Now I know I'm a big goofball, but I'm also very serious about the work here, and I'm very proud of the of what we've started here when we revamped, relaunched the Unfiltered Sports Network. 
and I'm very excited for what the, what the future holds. And I'm really hoping we get – we've got this draft department going. We're going to get the fantasy department going, and we are coming. We're going to be the Mavericks of the sports media world. It's happening. You can find me on Twitter at iDuck14. You spell it like an iPod, I'll say it every time because, well, that's me. And this is all the time we've got. Peace out, everybody. This mic is shutting off. The filter is always off.